For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access to your populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Failure to launch. A problem that affects recently hatched birds forced out of the nest by their parents. As well as a 2006 movie starring Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker. Although both of these phenomena are extremely painful, Here on the show, we're not going to focus on the film that currently has a 24% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, all right, all right. Scientists have long studied why certain species of songbirds evict their offspring from the nest so young. Many of these fledglings are pushed out before they can fly, and these unlucky individuals almost always die of exposure or are eaten by predators. How could any parent be so cold-hearted? And what evolutionary benefit could this behavior possibly confer? These parent birds are essentially condemning some of their chicks to death. This is the mystery that two scientists at the University of Illinois decided to get to the bottom of. Todd Jones and Michael Ward knew they would need a lot of data to analyze this behavior across songbird populations. And so they recruited scientists, graduate students, and field technicians all over the country to help them. This army of observers recorded how often songbirds forced chicks out of the nest and what the survival rate was for all offspring, whether they were evicted or not. By analyzing all of this data, the evolutionary benefit became clear. According to the research, 67% of songbird species pushed their chicks out of the nest before all of them could survive on their own. They showed that this decreased the odds of survival of any individual chick by 13.6%. And, this is the key, 
Despite the fact that individual chicks were less likely to survive, the odds that at least one chick would survive went up by 14%. This is because the nests themselves are vulnerable to predation, especially when they're on the ground. If a cat, a skunk, a fox, a bird of prey, or some other hungry intruder wipes out the whole nest, then none of the offspring will survive. These songbirds play the odds. Better to lose one or two chicks some of the time than risk the possibility that all your chicks get eaten all at once. Jones and Ward were able to train cameras on several nests. One of their videos shows this gamble in real time. Less than a minute after a mother bird pushes her young out of the nest, with surprising roughness, the head of a snake appears in the frame, sniffing that same warm little cozy nest where the vulnerable chicks had just been. We often discuss the need to think about wildlife on the scale of populations rather than always thinking about individual animals. For example, opponents of hunting might focus on the death of one particular bear and not consider what's best for an entire population of bears and how bear numbers might affect all the other animals in that ecosystem. In this case, it seems that songbirds may be hardwired to think on this larger scale too. Pushing their kids out of the nest gives the best chance to the largest number of offspring, which is how their genetic material survives in a harsh world. This is survival by numbers. You overwhelm your predators with your offspring. I will tell you that focusing on a cute spotted individual is incredibly easy and incredibly tempting. As a quick leave-behind example, I'll give you a short story. I was taking a friend on a mushroom hunt. While on the return leg of our mushroom loop, we came across an elk calf curled up by itself. Not another elk around in this big burn area we were hiking through. This calf stuck out like a sore thumb, like a glowing red in the black earth. My friend was confused as to why the calf was by itself. I explained that's just how it works. Mom leaves the calf, only defended by its spotted camouflage, periodically while she makes the likely short trek to water or better forage. I then went on to explain that the number one elk predator in that area was the black bear. During the spring, bears will roam until they find the scent of a calf and attempt to track it down. The response was, oh my god, we have to save the elk. I asked, well, what if saving the elk kills the bear? Oh yes, I'm rumbly in my tumbly. This week, we've got North Dakota, geese, trail cameras, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week, as well as this podcast, as everyone knows, is sponsored by Steel Power Equipment. I'm going to see about getting the folks at Steel to start working on a goose and duck plucker to add to their line of saws, snips, and trimmers. That sure helped me. Uh, let's see. I got a new niece out of the Christmas season, Georgia. Well done, Courtney and Matt. I got some time in with my beloved grandmother, who is 93 or 94 at this point, and really, really excited about getting the COVID vaccine whenever that becomes available to her. I believe she's also looking forward to New Year's 2050 to see what that's like. Let that be a lesson to you. That lady doesn't quit. Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rot in hell. Would you like a cookie, son? She and her brother Doug took a whole plucked goose from me, and while saying thank you, laid on just enough guilt about not keeping the livers to let me know they aren't slipping. 
I've been absolutely glued to the news beat, not on the usual fun stuff involving animals, habitats, science, but watching a seriously spoiled child temper tantrum the last little bit of dignity out of the White House. That sure makes me feel like crap, folks. But not surprised either. I'm referring, of course, to the Wednesday scene as we counted our electoral votes in D.C. The positive of this situation is, I think we can all look at the scenes in D.C. and think, boy, I'm better than that. And you are. We have this incredible opportunity to start 2021 in a position to be better. Better all around. Better to each other. Better to ourselves. Better to our communities. Be those communities, animal communities, plant communities, or gut bacteria communities for that matter. Let's grab this year by the tail, claw our way up to its haunches, and ride this pony past the unproductive partisan back and forth, past COVID, and right into spring turkey bear and fishing season. But don't, you know, be in a rush, enjoy some ice fishing, and a couple of powder turns along the way. Start a bird identification list. Plant one pollinator-friendly outside plant. Volunteer a little bit. Run for office. As of the time of this recording, January 8th, I am wishing everyone an incredible 2021. And remember to get your relationships started with your duly elected officials. I'll tell you how, right after the Snort Report. (coughs) Old Snorticus, the yellow lab, is now eight months old. And she has retrieved somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to 15 geese in the last couple of weeks. The most recent outing, we went along with Garrett Long, a friend and co-worker at Meat Eater, to a spot above the Yellowstone River in eastern Montana. The Canada geese poured in. We didn't exactly have our shooting or our goose spread dialed. Garrett had his black lab who was 10 years old. Snort has not had any competition in the field since the last pheasant hunt, and this is just what she needed. She needed that other dog going after birds. The highlight of the day came when one of the few perfectly decoyed geese was hit, ultimately fatally, but sailed, wings more or less locked, for a shade short of half a mile. Snort directly underneath, well, slightly to the rear of underneath, when the goose eventually ran out of gas, it fell like a rock from the sky, and Snort, rather matter-of-factly, picked it up and brought it back just like a bird dog. She only had to stop once about three quarters of the way back. It was a scene that was as beautiful as it was mundane. It was a dog retrieving a bird from a long, long way out, exactly why you want a dog. It was a beautiful day. The dog needs a ton of work still, but I think we have the drive part down. The interest is there. Now it's time to get her to hold her spot, stay and not break, until I give her the go-ahead in a waterfowl situation. It has been tons of fun, very fulfilling to watch that little dog. We might have one more hunt in us before the end of the season. Then it's on to lots of distractions until next bird season. Squirrel! Moving on. We're going to start with this week's call to action. This particular treasure is the South Dakota Prairie Grasslands a patchwork of ground in western North Dakota that makes up most of what we call the Badlands. You know the Badlands is that iconic area of the American West. The Sioux, the Cheyenne, Teddy Roosevelt, Custer, all that fun stuff. There's elk, deer, mountain lions, lots of turkeys. 
This is some of the most important prairie ecosystem we have left in this country, a one-of-a-kind place that cannot be recovered once it's disrupted. And that's what this legislation will attempt to do. North Dakota Senator John Hoven has drafted a federal law that would allow roads to be built along all section lines in the state, which, to be clear, North Dakota state law says that is so. What Hoven's bill will do will include the protected parts of the Dakota prairie grasslands managed by the U.S. Forest Service. This would, in effect, allow oil and gas development on almost all of the badlands. Let's be clear, as we often say on the show, we are not against development in general. A balance between wildlife habitat and industry is essential. And in fact, over 95% of the area in question is already open to oil drilling and hydrofracking. The energy industry is by no means on life support in this part of the world. But Hoven's bill is an effort to open up that last protected 4%, just 40,000 acres of a total 1 million acres. This bill is in response to failed attempts to change Forest Service rules to allow the development, as well as several failed lawsuits. The last resort, you could call it. What makes this proposed law so dangerous is that it will likely be tucked inside a much larger omnibus bill that Congress rushes to pass every year, so it's going to be hard to find. On its own, Hoven's bill would likely never make it through. But unless we make a lot of noise about this now, it could fly under the radar. There's a risk of this bill being signed into law without anyone even knowing it's there. And that would be bad for the bad lands. Therefore, please call Senator Hoven's office at 202-224-2551 and voice your objection to this legislation. If you are listening to this podcast on Sunday, just as it's released, set a reminder on your phone now to call tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. If you're here a little later, maybe waking up with us on Monday morning, pause this podcast and dial 202-224-2551. We'll be waiting right here when you come back. Put this number in your phone permanently, 202-224-3121. It is the congressional switchboard. You can ask to be connected with the office you are seeking, super easy and worth doing. Use that number right now and call your state's congressional representative and let them know what is going on in the North Dakota Badlands. A big thank you to everyone who wrote in to alert me to this one. I'll note that members of the Autobahn Society, people who work in the oil and gas industry, not that those two are mutually exclusive, backcountry hunters and anglers, and many folks who stated no affiliation who just love this area and have a true appreciation for how rare and valuable it is, all wrote in on this issue. They let me know what's going on in their neck of the woods. That big crowd of different voices should determine what happens to the land that we all own. Let's not leave that up to just a few people who want to make pumping oil and gas a little bit easier. The last note, we reached out twice to Senator Hoven's office to get his comment and clarification on the fact that his proposal would in fact only target this area as being compliant with the current state section law lines and not all federal ground, but our calls have not been returned. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Me neither. Like the importance of a will or a college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? 
That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Life insurance is important to me because I don't want to be a burden on anyone ever, especially when I'm dead and I can't chip in to, you know, lift heavy things and do stuff like that. That's why I have life insurance. And I know you don't want to be a pain in the ass because you're listening to my podcast. So get life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash cal policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions we've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go but here's one product that stood the test of time seafoam motor treatment Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. One other quick call to action. The Arizona Game and Fish Commission recently voted to ban the use of trail cameras for the purpose of taking animals. And there is now a period of public comment before the measure is voted up or down. I am for the ban. Trail cameras have upsides. They allow folks strapped for time to make good use of their time. They're an incredible recruitment tool for getting new people out in the woods, especially kids because you get to show them pictures of cool stuff that's out there. However, the downsides of cameras far outweigh those advantages, in my opinion. Some water sources in Arizona have dozens of cameras surrounding them, and all the people going in and out to check those cameras have been shown to disrupt the ability of wildlife to get sufficient water during lean water years. Trail cams are also often used to quote-unquote claim a certain area and often lead to disputes between hunters who come to feel entitled to a particular spot. Worst of all is the growing practice of selling animals on the hoof. This is when outfitters and guides promote the pictures that they've taken and essentially let a client buy the opportunity to hunt that particular animal. 
the way a patron in a restaurant might point to a lobster in a tank. That, my friends, just isn't hunting to me. In a larger sense, trail cameras take away from one of the most essential aspects of hunting, the not knowing. It's important that hunting is not like shopping or golf or eating at a restaurant. You can't push a button and receive a certain outcome. When you go out in pursuit of animals, you have to use your brain and your boots, trying as hard as you can to get the information you need with just your senses. You have to put in that effort and sometimes still fail to bring anything home. A similar restriction was passed in 2018 in Nevada, and hunting has not ground to a halt there by any means. The use of trail cameras does not guarantee an animal no matter how much you pay for the opportunity to hunt that animal. In the desert ecosystem, in areas where the water sources are often at least improved by man and maintained, the animals have no choice but to drink at that spot. They have to drink, whether they are on your SD card or not. I do not think it's a bad thing that hunters would have to sit without knowing what is going to come in potentially or not. That's just hunting. The public comment period ends February 1. If this is a topic that interests you, please email rulemaking at azgfd.gov. That's ArizonaGameAndFishDepartment.gov before February 1 to voice your opinion. Moving on to the cool animal stuff desk. Pay attention, this is going to be on a pub quiz somewhere. Scientists recently discovered the oldest known tropical reef fish, a midnight snapper, at Rowley Shoals near Western Australia. By counting the growth rings on tiny bones in the snapper's ears, called otoliths, the same way you'd count tree rings, the scientists learned that this fish is 81 years old, 20 years older than the previous reef fish record holder. That means that this snapper was likely alive before the start of World War II and just in time for the debut of the comic book character Batman in Detective Comics number 27 and, of course, is now dead because you can't read an otolith bone while an animal's alive. 81 is no doubt very old for most fish, but for the Greenland shark, a cartilaginous fish, 81 means you're just getting started. Researchers from the University of Copenhagen studied a group of 28 Greenland sharks that had been caught accidentally by fishing expeditions. Based on the species' average growth of 0.4 inches a year, that's some cold water, folks, and one individual female's length of 16 and a half feet, this distinguished grand dame is estimated to now be 390 years old. It's important to note that this figure is an estimate with a 120-year margin of error, but even at the lowest end of this possible age range, this is a fish who was swimming around before California was a state. If we could only go back to then. Next, a team from the University of Swansea in the UK were able to fit some very cool flight measurement equipment onto Andean condors and found that one particular condor flew more than 100 miles without beating its wings a single time. Just by adjusting its wings to take advantage of air thermals, this 35-pound bird was able to travel for five hours with no forward propulsion at all. Interestingly enough, the Patagonia region, where these condors are cruising around, creates the perfect conditions for human-made gliders as well. Updrafts from these South American mountains have allowed Airbus's Perlin 2 
a winged aircraft without an engine to climb to over 76,000 feet, higher than the U-2 spy plane, which, by the way, has engines that produce 17,000 pounds of thrust, and way higher than that sissy condor can go. So take that, Mother Nature. I'm kidding, of course. The Condor, again, weighs 35 pounds. The Perlin II weighs just 1,500. And the U-2 weighs about 40,000. Different ways to tackle that whole how-high-can-we-get problem. Lastly, number four on today's roundup, but likely number one in your hearts. Long-time listeners of Cal's Week in Review, going all the way back to episode number one, Wisdom, the Lays and Albatross is still the world's oldest known bird. Scientists put a band on Wisdom's leg in 1956 when she was estimated to be five years old, and she has been cruising ever since, flying the equivalent of 120 times around the globe, some three million miles. In addition to her travels, she managed to find the time to lay at least 36 eggs. The breaking news as of December 2020 is that Wisdom successfully hatched yet another chick at 70 years old and 3 million miles under her belt. So let's just recap the hot facts you got. The bang for your buck. Oldest known reef fish, the Midnight Snapper, deceased at 81. Don't worry, there's likely some other fish in that age set still over there in Australia. Oldest known cartilaginous fish is the Greenland Shark. We don't even know how old these get. Let's say 300. Oldest known bird, Wisdom, the Lazen Albatross, 70 years old. Moving on to the Anthropology Desk, or maybe the Indigestion Desk. Researchers at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln have made amazing new discoveries in the case of the Skiles Mummy, the body of a man who died more than 1,000 years ago in what is now known as Texas. The man died of Chagas disease a parasitic infection that can cause enlargement of the colon and therefore severe constipation. And we are talking severe constipation here. (coughs) The Nebraska team discovered tiny plant structures in this man's gut called phytoliths, which typically pass right through the digestive system unscathed. Here, however, those tiny phytolith structures had been crushed to pieces by the built-up pressure in the digestive system. Kind of like a uh, turkey's gizzard. Anyway, this, my friends, must have been an extremely unpleasant passing. Or rather, not passing. The guy died and you get it. (laughs) However, by analyzing the contents of the mummy's stomach, the researchers found incredible evidence of the care that the rest of the community took for this person in his waning days and weeks. It seems that he ate almost nothing but crickets leading up to his death. That's right crickets, and to be exact, crickets whose legs had been removed before he ate them. The scientists theorized that the man was fed crickets because of their nutritional value and moisture content, and removing the legs was an effort to make them as digestible as possible. This strategy did not work, but it suggests a group of people taking elaborate measures to relieve the suffering that they could. A couple more quick and amazing aspects of this story. First, the Skiles mummy was discovered back in 1937, and it has been analyzed over and over again since the 70s. These new findings, brought to you by a severely constipated man, are simply the result of better imaging tools and fresh curiosity. 
They should make you feel optimistic, loose, you could say. No matter how much of the world has been explored, there's always more to discover. Second, crickets are enjoying a bit of a renaissance these days as an alternative protein source here in the U.S. Insects are a regular and important part of the diet for most people on Earth, and raising them and turning them into edible flour requires a small fraction of the energy, water, and other resources needed for beef, poultry, and the rest of the organisms we more commonly call food. You may feel a little queasy at the idea of eating bugs, but compared to cells grown in a lab or plant protein processed within an inch of its life to seem like a meatloaf, I'd rather have a plate of crickets. That's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for listening. Write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's AskCal, at TheMeatEater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Thanks again. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.